just quit this and go into announcing sports? You could. You could be an auctioneer. I said that, you know, if this didn't work out and the manicure thing didn't work out, <laughs> I would just become an auctioneer. You've said that? I have. Can I get five, five? Can I get ten? Can I get ten? Do I see ten, ten, fifteen, fifteen? Can I get fifteen, twenty, twenty-five, twenty-five in the back, twenty, thirty, thirty. That's really good, actually. Forty-five in the back, forty-five, thirty. Sold! <laughs> you get really into I it. I think I just went down, though, instead of up. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be good at it, but you'd be entertaining. <laughs> I'd be fun to watch. <laughs> it wouldn't be profitable. Yeah, that's a good side job for you. Mm. How are you doing today? What if there were like tons of job openings in that field? <laughs> do people even do that anymore? Like, is that I don't a thing? Think so. Except on that show where they auction off units of what is it called? Storage wars. Storage units, and yeah. like sometimes they find amazing stuff in there, and then sometimes they find you know some kid's retainer that he lost when he was twelve. <laughs> that's that's one of those shows that bums me out because it's fake, you know. It's fake? Yeah. Oh. You know, it's like all staged. and they it all, really? Yeah. Oh, it does kind of seem like I that. wish it was, you know, I think, I wish oh it actually God. happened that way. But. I have a new favorite reality show. What? <laughs> like, I love it so much. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, and now I can't remember what it's called. I'll remember what it's called in a sec. But it's, it's essentially a American Ninja Warriors, but with a knife. And it's like, <laughs> have you ever seen that what show, um, Forged in Fire? That's on. It's, no. Okay, so Sarah, of course you haven't. There's no way that you have seen this show at all. Never. So there's a show on A and E called Forged in Fire where they make. Oh, your knives. husband told me about oh, it's like blacksmithing. He loves it. He yeah. loves it because he loves it. Now I you love have it. To watch it, and I've become obsessed with it too. Why and do you like it though? I don't. You know why? Because it's like mindless, and you can keep that on in the background, like still be like on your Instagram or whatever, mm-hmm. and you can like look up every twenty minutes and still know what's going on. What are on they in the show. making? Knives and oh, swords. Just- Oh and then, like, dramatic things happen, like it breaks. But, like, <laughs> they're always, like, nerdy. And then, like, it's just, I don't know. I just like it. So now they have this this spinoff show from this that is, I don't even know what it's called. But it's where they take their knives and they go through a obstacle course. And they have to, like, chop things in half like the a chicken. The knife that they made? Yeah. And then they have to chop up a live chicken. Not, it's not alive. For goodness sakes, you're definitely adding flair to the story. <laughs> what kind of chicken? A, like a hanging raw chicken. Like they have an obstacle course with the knife. So like you have to cut through this bamboo and then you have to cut through this piece of meat. This and then is you have to safe. cut through. And I am obsessed with the show. I'm going to need to know what it's called. So keep, okay. keep tippity tapping away on that. That's ridiculous. It's, oh, knife or death. Come on. Like life or death. <laughs> Oh, it's a pun. It's oh, terrible. I I love it. And then what? What's it based on? Time? Yes. And how many obstacles you can cut through. And the some, some for some odd reason the the giant fish seems to trip people up. What do you mean? They have to cut a fish. That's Is it hanging in a there. tank? No, it's like hanging there. It's like a dead fish just hanging on a string, and you gotta like take your blade and chop it up. And what happens? It get caught in the bones. It gets. It doesn't go all the way through, and then that's where everybody fails. And like so the look of the disappointment on these guys' <laughs> faces when they can't cut a fish in half is so sad. Is it about you have to make a really sharp knife, and so if you don't make yeah. it sharp enough, yeah, then you're gonna lose. Yeah, not and you have to be like good with the skills. Oh, what skills? Like cutting shit. How many different ways are there to do that? I bet you would find it much more difficult to cut through a carp than you think. Well, I don't even know if that's their choice of a mackerel or whatever they use. 
I'm not saying it wouldn't be hard. I'm just saying you get one swoop. Oh, and then what? And if you don't get it, you're, that's where you're tired. You can't move on to the next mm. phase unless you cut every do you every. You just six, stop. You just stop, and your time stops there, and you're done. God, I haven't seen anybody make make it yet. Oh, this sounds like a great show. Well, I mean, it's high drama, Sue. So clearly, they've got my interest. Speaking of carp, I was actually going to talk about Harvey Carp, you know, the guy that created the uh, Happiest Baby on the Block franchise. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> it's like I'm just stringing words together. Yeah. <laughs> like, happiest Baby, I was like... But... Happiest Baby on the Block is a book, that best-selling... Oh. I think it's the, the best-selling baby book what? of all time, and it's the guy that... I've never even heard of this book. How is this possible? Well, you've definitely seen his handiwork because he's the one that made everyone start swaddling. Okay. And he teaches about like the five S's, like shush, swing, swaddle. Uh-huh. Oh, this sounds sound. familiar. Yes. Yeah. And his name is Harvey Karp. And I was reading a an article in the New York Times about him and this strange... They call him a baby mogul, which is sort of a weird... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and he has this new product out that's a, I don't know if it's a crib necessarily or more of like a rocker type thing. Yeah, okay. It's called the Snoo. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Okay. I even actually, as I was putting together my baby registry before, this came up and it was like super expensive. Yeah. It's like, but it's supposed to be have something in it that like hushes the baby and makes it fall asleep. Yeah. So it's kind of like the smartphone of baby products. And so it monitors the baby's activity. And based upon that, it will adjust like it'll start rocking or it'll start shushing or it'll do the things that huh. he believes change the, you know, cause they talk about the, he calls it the fourth trimester, the first three yeah, months after yeah. the womb when the kid's basically useless yeah. and <laughs> miserable and, it talks about how in 1992, that was the year when everybody said, you can't let your baby sleep on its mm -hmm, tummy anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's how babies like to sleep. And so then after that, every parent in the world is miserable because their kid won't sleep. Uh -huh. And so there's this huge problem. Okay. And so he comes out with this book based on he had gone around the world and noticed that there were these babies in wherever that cried less than 15 minutes a day. And they did these techniques that he now teaches. Mm. But the cool thing about the book was that it was income irrelevant. Right. Everybody can do those five Anybody things. can swaddle, yeah. swing, whatever. Yeah. This, his newest thing, is very class dependent and income Dependent. I also think there are unintended consequences. What? I think the substitution of an object for these things is the same as um, Harlow's studies of the monkeys with the wire monkey and the cloth monkey mm -hmm. and how it's not the uh, fact that they're providing a serve. There's not the fact that that, that one of their needs are being met, it's that the need that's most important isn't being met, which is the need for love and that connection. And they, the, the monkeys chose the cloth monkey over food more mm -hmm. often. So I mm -hmm. think if a baby gets used to a machine comforting it, 
the intended uh, uh, need of that child is still not getting met because it's attachment and it's like the, uh, you know, uh, attention from the mother or father or parental figure or whatever. And if that's not being met, then it'll work as like a bandaid. And I think maybe it'll work for, but I think there may be unintended consequences. Like the child doesn't learn how to self-soothe or the child doesn't see the parent as a source for comfort. And the, you know, I, I just think that you have to study what happens to a child who's given a machine to care for them. Essentially, that's what it's doing. It's doing, it's filling in for you picking up a baby and going shh and bouncing up and down. Yeah, all right, but I'll get I'd get that thing lickety split because yeah, I, I mean you're so tired, mm-hmm. and it's one thing in the day, but my God, yeah, <laughs> let me sleep. Okay, okay, and you know what? You're also right that, that there is a big income inequality thing. Like, that, yeah, so it's horrible to say this, but you have to also assume that the kind of parent who can afford a one thousand dollar crib can also also has the free time to be able to give that attention to a child where maybe okay 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 yeah it's a complicated thing yeah and um the whole like i get why they said you have to make your baby sleep on its back it's the sid's fear thing but it's really crappy i have some information about that is it gonna like blow the or what i think so what so in new zealand there were studies that were done by this guy who was seeing a link between uh SIDS and like income and and socioeconomic mm-hmm. how it w- and first people thought okay well maybe it's happening in houses where there um are higher smokers and things yeah, like that yeah. but then he said I think it might be because of the chemicals that are in the mattresses the baby mattresses and because the babies don't have yet an immune system where they can you know, fight off of whatever chemicals are in there. Mm-hmm. So in New Zealand, there was this, I don't know, like law or ordinance that went into place that say all newborn mattresses have to now be wrapped in this plastic that doesn't release any toxic fumes. Mm-hmm. There has not been one single case of SIDS since this went into place. Hmm. Not a single mattress that has been wrapped. They've had a baby with SIDS. Wow. Not one. Holy and I can put smoke. this in our our... Yeah, I, d- I, I didn't believe that. it. When I read it, I didn't believe it. And then I had to search for f- a whole bunch more articles. And all the articles I found said, did we just find the cure? Did yeah, this right. doctor find the cure for SIDS? Did this doctor find? And it got swept, un- uh, swept under the rug because in the United States, we do not have the same laws about, like we have fire retardant laws that basically crazy. trump that and are insane. Yeah. And so they go, oh, well, you know, those kind of mattresses don't meet our fire. F that. When I was searching for, for, there were like two cribs in all of the United States that you can buy that, that still met fire safety codes, but didn't have the toxic stuff on them. Wow. It's like really hard. And in Australia, it's now a law. Wow. I want to read that. I mean, yeah, technology can be, it's a complicated thing, but sometimes it's just great. Like in the case of freaking my new Quip toothbrush. Oh my god! I just got my update. My they were like, "Hey, guess what's oh, yeah, coming to refills. you? A refill." And I was like, "Oh my god! I love that. I didn't time. have to think about that." Yeah, yeah. Quip is so cool because I was complaining recently about how I feel like the dental community just stopped trying. <laughs> like it's right. the same toothbrush that my grandma would use. Yeah. And then out comes Quip, which is this gorgeous, sleek 
toothbrush that I can put on my mirror and it looks nice. It does. And um, now Lincoln has one and Adam has one and anything that gets my kid to brush. Oh, I bet Lincoln loves this. He loves it. Yeah. His only request, Quip, if you're listening, is that he really wanted a pink one and a red one and a purple one. (laughs) And those are colors that aren't up yet, but he did get, I think, green in the end. But Glad he's satisfied. We'll just put that <laughs> in your suggestion box. But they're so much uh, better to look at, but they're also really great because they have the pulse that happens oh, while yeah. you brush, and then it'll let you know every so often that you need to switch sides and brush differently. And it's just like, oh, hello, thank you for updating technology for my oral hygiene um, everybody loves Quip. They were on Oprah's O list. What more do you want? Oh, they're done. That's all. That's it. That's <laughs> the, all you need. She has spoken. Yeah. Um, and Quip starts at just twenty five bucks. And if you go to getquip.com slash brain candy right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash brain candy. That's spelled G E T. Q-U-I-P dot com slash brain candy. Um, and I really want you guys... Uh, we had a brainiac that let me know she ordered hers, so I want to hear oh, yeah, um, if me. she loves I it. I love when you guys share that you're like, hey, I ordered this. I, do I t- love it. I'm I like, do oh, good. That's the most gush <laughs> about it. We're changing lives over here. And they have like how to brush your teeth on there. Which I, I told you wrong. how I was totally doing it wrong. I know. We're yeah, fools. Now I'm right, though. Now we're so. right. Okay. Um, okay. So I talked about the baby mogul, and you, like, dropped a bomb on the SIDS thing. Yeah. I'm literally sending you these articles right now. Mm, Thank you. In the New Zealand Journal of Medicine that are like... Thank you, Sarah. Um, I was reading an article about noise. Oh. If if my uh, soundboard were working right now, I would play the history music. History of Noise. noise. Oh, it's really cool because there's that movie out called A Quiet Place with John <gasps> Krasinski. Dude, I heard this was really good. I heard that too. Uh, and when people say that a thriller, like a scary movie or horror movie, whatever, is good, right? it's always really good. The last time they said that was Get Out. Right. So it's got, because it probably messes with your mind too. Oh my God, tell me everything. Well, so that we movie and the success that. of the movie inspired a professor who studies noise and the history of noise to write this article, which was so interesting. Um, If you're not familiar with the movie, I think the premise is that these people have to be really quiet in order to not get hurt by these monsters or something. And that's kind of what makes it different from other horror movies is the silence of it. Yeah. And how like... (gasps) And you're always probably like hanging on the edge of your seat because you're like, don't be loud. Yeah. And how like if you had a baby or if you had a little dog or something, like just the terror of that. Anyway, but he was talking about how pretty much as long as uh, cities have existed, people have been complaining about noise and complaining about the feeling that you have when you're like, I just want some peace. Mm. And now we have an industry where people are paying money seeking it. I have on right now noise canceling headphones that I wear all day, every day. Silence. Yes. We're desperate for silence and how like 
there's all these like noise machines that are an attempt to cancel out actual city noise or you know traffic or things like that and replace it with white noise or nature some people like have waterfall whatever that they sleep with and how just how it's a it's a it's a strange thing where we feel like we need our brain to be quiet and we can't get it i almost feel like if we really had quiet though it would freak us out. I know because I read this thing a while ago that was talking about how people like move to Montana, like the Unabomber or whoever did, and they go and they live in these shacks. But the sad part is the noise is up here in your brain. Yeah. Oh. And so like you think it's like the yeah. guy at the grocery, no. mar- grocery store or whatever, traffic or sirens, but then you're alone with your thoughts. That's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I need noise to drown them out. Like I don't, I'm like, oh God, here we go. When it's nighttime, it's time to go to bed. You, what? I just, the thoughts are so, I just like, I'm like, oh, I got to have something to turn them off. Oh, and that's why you do those things. ASMR and stuff like that. Yeah. You're exactly what they're describing. Yeah. I cannot be in the quiet. And in fact, we talked about this a while back, those sensory deprivation chambers. I'm terrified to do that. (laughs) Because you start hallucinating. You don't. Yes, you do. Why, why, why? I mean, your brain, this isn't like you start, like I'm just saying this, like that is actually what happens when you start to cut off people's, your, what your, what happens is your brain tries to fill in the holes that aren't there and it will fill in the holes of the silence with hallucinations. With question marks. It is very, and I think the more active of a brain you have, the more likely that is to happen. I do not want that. I don't want it either. I'm I'm not kidding. This is a real thing. And you can, I was also, I was obsessed with this for a while because I was like so terrified of it. So you can even um, stimulate this same effect without going into a sensory deprivation chamber by cutting a ping pong ball in half and putting the ping pong balls over your eyes. There's something about the color that that creates that like is almost like a neutral palette for us when we close our eyes and hat, which would look really funny. I can't quit picturing put- those guys from that knife show cutting a ping pong ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. They'd be like, hang on, and cut it in the middle of the air. We'd like fall from the ceiling and they would have to cut it. Go ahead. Sorry. And then so you, you put, put them on, on. Yeah, you put those on. You put noise-canceling headphones on, and if you lay on a couch for long enough, there are videos of people who are like starting What to, happens? They just, halluc- they just will start talking about their seeing like, Weird things like this is crazy. I think so too. How but it's long what does your it brain? Take? I I'll I'll have to find Just out. Just guess, have, like an hour, mm, thirty minutes maybe. I can't believe this. I got noise try is it. really a crazy one. See, you know the other one that that really kind of creeps me out is. Have you heard of the hum of Taos, New Mexico? I think no, it's Taos, New no. Mexico. Yeah. So this is like a real phenomenon that happens in different parts of the world, but the place where they say it's the most prevalent is Taos, New Mexico, and that there's like a hum, there's like a vibration, and some people feel it and hear it, and some people don't. And some people say like, oh, it's a mystic place because this hum exists. And it's a, it's just like a low-frequent hum, that, and people don't know Well, do what, scientists know? Do they say, oh, it's from this, like, mountains on one side? Or- um, it says possible explanation, so <laughs> I'm, like, looking right now. Sarah. Um, it says there are two hums in the world that have been linked to mechanical sources. There was a West Seattle hum that was traced to a vacuum pump 
used by <laughs> Cal Portland to offload cargo ships. So it was like a huge machine that did it. Yeah. And then there was another one in Wellington that people reported. It, there was a 3.5 hertz hum off Windsor, Ontario that was from a steel work thing. But there's no explanation for the one in Taos. And people are like, oh, maybe it's tinnitus where you just get ringing in the ears. <laughs> but what, a whole bunch of people from one area have that? So, <laughs> you know. I love when people grasp at straws. Like, we know it's tinnitus of a community. And some people also think that it could be a mating call of something called a toadfish, which is a a fish that has a hum to it. That's stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. So, you know. Well. Noise, though, man. I have a fun fact. Oh, yeah. This is really just all... It is. It's just one small fun fact. Give it to me. Uh, Alexandra, Princess of Wales, from a while ago, like, you know, I don't know when it was. Old enough for her picture to be in black and white. Okay, got it. (laughs) She had tuberculosis, and it resulted in a scar on her neck. Yeah. And so she, her family was embarrassed, so they... Made her wear this choker. And that's why chokers are popular. She started the craze. Oh my gosh. She used to thank for 90s fashion. (laughs) I love it. What if it was like, and she wore a clear backpack? (laughs) She loved jelly sandals, clear backpacks, and chokers. (laughs) Right. Susan, you're so funny. What if she liked the clear backpacks? (laughs) That's so great. And she watched 90210. And she loved the movie Clueless. <laughs> yeah, so she, her disease is what made a fashion uh, accessory come to be. It was the 19th century. I just don't know when. Yeah. Yeah, so good for her. Good for her. <laughs> I, for I recently her. learned that B6, the vitamin, yeah, has been shown to significantly help people remember their dreams. Ooh. And... I am a testament testimony to, testament to this. What's the word I'm looking for? That works. Um, That's funny. Because when I was pregnant, they said to help morning sickness to take B6 vitamins, and I was taking B6 vitamins like every day. Mm-hmm. And I was have I w- I even complained to my OBGYN. I'm like, my dreams are so intense; mm. they're like crazy right now. And then just today, I read this whole article that was like. B6 helps you remember dreams, and they're also showing that it could be helpful in treating nightmare disorders and PTSD. Oh, wow. Because it, you remember your dreams so well that you your brain can process them better. Wow. Yeah. That's I great. thought that was really cool, too. <clears throat> there are so, so, so many studies on sleep right now. Hmm. It's like insane what we're learning about sleep. That even one night of sleep loss, sleep deprivation can cause a buildup of these um, peptides that are linked to Alzheimer's. Wow. Just one night. Well, that's good news. And if you don't have the mechanisms that get rid of these peptides, then that's what causes people to have Alzheimer's. And then I think of all the times they made us stay up overnight on the challenge. Yeah, right. You basically (laughs) just gave me Alzheimer's. So I've been sleeping really good lately and having good dreams, which I don't know. I think I think it has to do with being physically active. It definitely does. It makes such a difference. Totally does. I've been doing my beach body religiously, as you know. Yes. I mean, I know you're back on the wagon. I am, and thank God. 
Okay, I'm glad. Oh, it's so nice. Good. Okay. Yeah. Do you dread it, but then love it when it's yep. over? And yeah. then I've dr- I dreaded it for a, like a week, like dreaded it, then loved it afterwards, and mm. now I just love it. Oh, well, that's fine. And now I'm at the part where when I'm doing my ritual, like getting ready to work out, yeah, I start getting those good vibey endorphins where I like start to get excited. Yeah, where I'm like, oh, oh I'm God, setting you're up. So cute. It's like getting it, you know, because your body knows that good stuff is coming. I'm one of those people. I use Beachbody exclusively, so I'm only a Beachbody person. I just like to work out at home. I don't want to be around anyone. I like to do it in my own house. Sarah is a person who uses it as supplement, so mm-hmm, she'll mm-hmm. like she likes to go on hikes. She likes to go out gym wherever with her friends. I don't know what the hell she's doing. <laughs> and then she also does Beachbody at home whenever she wants or when she's traveling at home. And hotels. when I need to do some yoga. Yeah, when she wants to do her yoga, um, they have the three-week yoga retreat, and, and they also have the 21-day fix, which I really enjoyed. Um, and these they have hundreds of different programs. So if you're somebody who likes to do crazy stuff, they have P90X, they have uh, Insanity, all that jazz. But if you want to just do light stuff or, as, as Sarah said, the yoga-type stuff, you can do that too. And you can do sh- them as short as 10 minutes, which is my preference. And you don't have to have extra equipment, which is huge. And you do it on your phone or your iPad or your TV, whatever you want. And it's just, it's such a great deal. I really want you to try the service because it's changed my life. I do sleep better. I'm much stronger. I feel better about myself. And our listeners can get a free trial membership special when you text brain candy all one word no spaces to 303030 you'll get full access to this entire platform for free all the workouts nutrition information and support totally free just text brain candy to 303030 and give that a try and do that with us okay i also wanted to talk about um oh i read about how uh a, another unintended consequence, you know how people give stuff up for Lent? Oh, yeah? Well, um, computer viruses go down because people stop watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe? I really was like, come on. Oh, my gosh. But it said that... I, this is weird. What? You could probably trace, like, computer... I wonder... What other information that gives us? Like when you look at things like computer viruses going down yeah. <laughs> or like it provides all this data shows something. Shows yeah, something like about freak human behavior. Where, yeah. Yeah. Who would have like, thought they were connected? You could track my ovulation by my porn watching. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, must be ovulation right now because mm-hmm. she's clearly not interested in it the other 28 days of the month. <laughs> right. Well, so <laughs> malware went down 17% and... Um, in Boston, which has a very high Catholic population, oh my God, this is so <laughs> funny! Viruses dropped by thirty six percent. Whoa! I cannot believe that, dude. And I thought, you know, that's funny, but whatever. Literally on Easter, they spike again, which is the day oh. you're allowed to go back on porn. Oh my God, I just got like chills. <laughs> that means that there are guys and maybe women who are like holding out, who are like, I. I gotta get as soon as it hits me, I'm gonna freaking jerk that thing off so good. <laughs> and they found that people searched bunny a lot on Easter. Like, what do you mean? In porn? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I is don't... so doubly weird. And what does that what 
I have so many questions. And like, don't the Catholic people know the church doesn't want you watching porn ever, let alone, I mean. And definitely not what you're watching. Come on. I just thought that was the best. But it makes sense, but I don't know. Good to know. I have a really cute story that I have to share that my friend Tell was. Me. So my, my, I feel like I have to like, you know, cause it's a story about a kid, keep it anonymous. But I have a friend okay. who was telling me a story about her daughter the other day mm-hmm. and she was, um, you know, the Easter bunny kind of makes me think about this. And so she, you know, her, this woman just had a baby. And so the daughter's like, Oh God, maybe like 11 or 12 years, maybe 11, 10 or 11 years old. And she asked her mom, you know, about, like, babies. Sure. And she started asking her questions about kissing. And, like, the mom could tell that it was, like, really overwhelming for her. And the mom did a great, like, the best way of talking about it and, like, did everything right. So the next day she, like... Remind me the age again? Like, 10 or 11. Okay. okay. Next day she wants to check in with her. And she's maybe a little younger than that, too. And then she wants to just, like, check in with her daughter because the daughter just looks overwhelmed. And she's like, honey, you know... I just I want to see, like, do you have any other questions for me? Is there anything else you want to talk about? The daughter just looks at her and goes, yeah, Mom, I just want to know, like, is there anything else? Like, is that it? Because she's like, I just feel like this year was a lot. I mean, there's no Santa Claus. There's no Easter Bunny. This is how babies are made. <laughs> she no. just, like, looked at her mom like, is there, is that it? Please oh God, let that God. be it. Because you could just tell it was like too much. Like the year that you learn there's no Santa Claus, you also learn about sex and like where babies come from. There's no Easter bunny. I'm just picturing this overwhelmed 11 year old. Like, oh my God. I remember that. Like that is the year where her childhood is just, it's like never going to be the same. I feel it's like too much, too much. We've talked about it before, but I really do feel like whoever was responsible in describing what it, how you make a baby to me really did not do a good job because I don't think I really understood yeah. until it was like I was involved when I was almost doing it. Yeah. And so that's They must weird. have, yeah. Though this mom did a good, she's like, well, you know how like, you know, she she told she said like this goes in the, the pee pee goes in you're not not pee pee but you know I should probably she used another word but it was like what they Similar. use for like oh my god you know whatever and it was like okay this goes and then she oh, looked like sorry. this it, the expression was like oh, no that's gross like I can't you know I feel like so that's like I the age where they're I so try gross. to pepper it in like you, all the yeah, time yeah. so that there's no bombshell moment right. I think there's never like I and I think that's what she was doing as well. I know that's what she's doing as well. But there's still yeah. that moment yep. where they ask a question yep. that you even peppering it in, there's that time where they're gonna he's gonna be like Really? What's up with this? I guess. I think that be, and I think it's more because of the conversations they have with friends at school. It's really? nothing that's going on at home. It's that they're learning maybe something different or they hear a story or some friend comes in saying that they caught their mom and dad, you know, cuddling, wrestling under bed sheets, <laughs> something like that happens. <laughs> didn't you say that happened to you that you like walked in? Was that you? No, I didn't walk in, but I definitely heard uh, it was in my, so my it was not my mom and dad. It was my mom was dating. That's a, worse. It made me better. sick to my stomach. I went, that's when I started going to bed with headphones on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. 
I can remember. And then my mom was dating this fucking dickhead who I hated, who thought it would be like, he didn't want my, us to meet his kids. But he wanted to be involved in our lives and took me on like a 20 minute walk to talk to me about how like me and your mom are like, you know, oh my I was like, God. dude, you're so lucky. I don't trip you and throw you into traffic right now. I hated him. <laughs> and I was like, you're an idiot and I'm smarter than you. I know it. It would be terrible to have to experience a parent dating. Oh, it was the worst. And I was always like, who is this fool? Wow. That's like your history of noise. Oh my God. And there's one guy that my mom dated who I have run into twice at the... Let me guess. It, Home Depot. No. Oh. No. In uh, <laughs> Long Beach. No, Laguna Beach, because uh-huh. we used to like live, live and work down there. And I just ignore him, and I pretend like I don't know him. <laughs> Every time. Why? Because I don't want to make... No. I, it's just so... It would be so awkward. My mom wrote a book and wrote about him in the book, and wrote There's that she no thought he, he was knew. gay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Your mom is so great. She was like, he's definitely gay. And so now I'm like, I'm like, hey, remember that time you dated my mom and she thinks you're gay? Do you think he knows she wrote that book? Oh, yeah. How? I don't know. I think she probably told him. <laughs> She's probably like, I wrote all about you and your... Good Lord. God, Sarah, you never disappoint. Oh, uh, well, my family never disappoints, so... Well, the other thing that never disappoints is Yelp. Yeah. Which... Why are you not using it if you're not using Yelp? Are you, don't look at me. I'm using it. Oh, I know. I thought we were going to rally. Oh, okay. Like together. Got like, it. About, duh. Duh. About how everybody else. <laughs> I used it last night to find an excellent place to get a massage that was oh. still open at 8 p.m. And I got a wonderful one. In fact, one of the better massages I've had in a really long time. That's great. Where this woman had years of experience. And you know when they're like teeny tiny, but you're like, oh, you're going to do work? Yeah. She did work. And oh, it was that's great. So great. thanks, Yelp. Yeah, thanks, Yelp. I use it for everything. Like, we're moving, as you know, so we got our movers through oh, Yelp. Oh, good. And that's the kind of thing you want reviews on. You know what I mean? Like, the <sighs> last thing I need is for them to, like, lose all my belongings on Earth or whatever. For real. It could yeah. go bad. Yeah. So Yelp provides such a great Trusted service. Trusted reviews. Yeah. You can find the reviews from people who've used the service and either liked them or didn't. Um, and it's just so easy. Just put it right on your phone, obviously. That's why we use Yelp. Go to yelp.com slash podcast to install the app, which I can't believe anybody doesn't have this on their phone. It's essential. If you need somebody to come to your house, plumbing, carpentry, movers, or Sarah needs massages, Mm -hmm. I'm going to need one after my move. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you just want to broaden your options from what you're used to, um, just go to yelp.com slash podcast, Y-E-L-P dot com slash podcast. No brainer on that one. You're going to have to use it because you're moving to a new neighborhood and you're going to have to get to know new things. I know. I'm going to have to know the local spot. No, because you know me. I go to the same places all the time. You got to make sure the same good I got to find cheers. They have to have a cheers nearby. Um, Okay, wait. I wanted to talk about... Oh, I was reading about this... um, How You know how people say that your eyes are the window to the soul. Yeah. But that they were talking about how it's actually the area around the What eye. are you even saying? <laughs> <laughs> Just that, like, if you were to take an eyeball out of the head, uh, they're really all the same. There's nothing interesting. No, I don't believe this. It's true. And they were interviewing artists as well and saying, like, 
eyes aren't very interesting to draw, but what's interesting about them is the shape, which is the skin around it, your eyelashes, maybe the wrinkles or the character lines around. Yeah, but I can't stare lovingly into your eyelids. True. It's different. If I make eye... I think the the talk about it them being the window to the soul is the person-to-person connection. Okay, but this article is saying, nope, you're wrong, Sarah. What? <laughs> I can't believe it. It's this is a real scratcher. Well, it was talking about how even like the, when you're startled, your reaction oh, comes from I see. the urge to protect your eye. Uh-huh. So you like... You know, close all the skin and eye flaps, yeah. <laughs> lids and whatever around your eye, and um, just that the the way that you communicate is all yeah. through your eyebrows. Totally right. The the wrinkles around your eyes and the underneath it's the whole thing. I made total sense to me because like if you did plop that eyeball out. I mean, it might be prettier than one or the other, but there's not much going on there. It's and just have you ever home. talked to somebody with a glass eye? Sarah, don't you know about how my dad lost his eyeball? Susie. (laughs) What? (laughs) What is that? Hold on. What's wrong right now? Oh, I was reading the back of the soda can and there's two words that are in like, it says contains like phenylalanine in really big letters. And I'm like, shit, that probably isn't good for me. They, <laughs> they put that really big on there to like be I like, are you, you sure you want to drink this? And I'm like, oh, I am. <laughs> well, so, okay, here's the scoop with my dad's eyeball. What the f- He, fuck? like about a year ago, maybe. No, I guess it was about three years ago because it was when it I was It was recent? Park. Yeah, he fell and smashed his eyeball on... The, you know, the tub spout, the metal. I vaguely remember this now. Okay. Okay. So he passed out, smashed his eyeball. Oh my God. Imagine finding that. Oh, did your poor mother find him? (laughs) I thought you meant the eyeball. (laughs) Either one. (laughs) Uh, yeah, she, yeah. No, your poor mom. Well, she she heard him go down. She heard him go down. You know, it's a pretty loud thing. Anyway, so he's naked. (laughs) bloody i have no idea if he was naked well, he was taking a bath uh, no i think he was uh sleepwalking is the problem what? he was on medication that made him sleepwalk and then he like fell and hit his eye the visual images of what i ha- <laughs> like what an evening at the meister residence look like with your dad is so i mean i don't even know if you could really understand how strange it is in my head especially because like the what i've pictured the basement looking like and there's clowns creepy clowns drawn on the wall and there's like there is a reason why all my siblings are funny and it's not because we had a good childhood okay so (laughs) anyway he it was blood everywhere squirting out whatever so they take him to the hospital and now he has that cloudy eyeball that mm. you have when the eye is dead. Doesn't work. Right. Yeah. But you look in there and you're like, what is that? It's just like this weird, murky. Now, is it a gray. responsive eye? So if he looks, it doesn't look. No. Okay. So he's always looking in one direction. Mm-hmm. He wears shades, you know. It's like Jim Jones. He's like Jonestown guy. He wears shades to like not bother people with it. 
Because yeah. he doesn't want yeah, people to right, right, right. But see it. So he has shades on like all the time. It would be so much better if you told me he had an eye patch. I mean, <laughs> like the story's already great, but he would. He could would, you imagine him with his limo tattoo and an eye patch? Stop it. <laughs> he couldn't be bothered with an eye patch. I'm sure they gave him one. Oh yeah, but he just like doesn't give a shit. Oh man, Linda. <laughs> anyway, the point of this was about how. Wow. Whatever. The eyeball. Oh, window to the soul. And you have to see that on the outside. My stories have gone downhill. No, they haven't. They're great. You're like not into any of my articles. I am into all of You were of into that. the porn one. <laughs> that one got you. <laughs> I, well, because the, the window to the soul thing got trumped with the fact that your dad lost his eyeball. It would be cooler, though, if he had like, what do you call those? Glass eyes? Glass eyes. Do you think they're realistic? Yeah, because okay. I knew somebody who had one who would pop it in and out every now and then. That was fun to watch. I don't like seeing what's back in there though the socket well it usually just looks black it's hard to have you seen the inside of it yeah i don't like it like when i would was working at the produce market there was a guy that came in that only had one eye and he didn't have a glass eye oh i see he just left it yeah hollow Ooh. it seems like shit would get in there yeah oh how do you clean it <laughs> remember like the chicken with the beak and you had to like put the little dropper <laughs> feeder like the chicken we we did an episode where there was a headless chicken so you told me about and it had to be fed with a dropper and i could imagine like the same kind of hole in your face to clean out i mean what if people without eyes are listening to this and they're like really pissed I, off you know what like i know i don't have anything against it i'm just exploring the various complications of life with one eyeball right and the one of the complications of your face can be also acne, which is, you know, I know not how to make that uncompl- uncomplicated. Yeah, right. We have the solution. I can't fix your eye problem. But look at my skin; <laughs> it's glowing, I and mean, I hate you for it. I've been like having some good skin days. Do people keep saying stuff? Because I remember I did. Yeah. So I want to know: is this like everyone no, it's be basically like basically just you? You're like <laughs> the only person I hang out. With. It's like true. you and my husband, and he's away. So you. Look amazing. Thank you, Susan. You look gorgeous. I have one trick. BioClarity. Everyone knows about it because I won't quit talking about it. I won't rest until you all try it. Somebody tweeted to us that was like, I guess you can't listen to 200 episodes of the Brain Candy Podcast without trying BioClarity. She goes, I don't even have bad skin. (laughs) But it's not just for people with bad skin. They have... um, a routine that's for normal skin. Yeah. You can get a routine that's for acne problems, which is what I have. The clear skin routine is what it's called. You cleanse, you treat, you restore. Um, and it is clinically proven to fight acne, soothe skin, and reduce pore size, minimize redness, and even out the skin tone. And um, But like if you are blessed with good skin, I hate you, but you could do the essentials routine. You still got to wash your face. Yeah, you got to clean it for Pete's sake. And why not clean it for an excellent deal? Yes. Start a healthy habit and get glowing clear skin. Just go to bioclarity.com. Our listeners will get their first month for only $9.95 plus free shipping. That's a $20 savings and it comes with a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. But you need to enter our code BRAINCANDY. That's bioclarity.com and enter our code BRAINCANDY. Get Sarah's glow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sick of it. You have it too. Get out of here. Shut it. Shut your entire face. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so I want to introduce face. somebody to the show. Oh, who? Her name is Sally Cohn. You've probably seen her on CNN or maybe you used to see her on Fox News even. She is a liberal 
woman, but she was sort of the resident liberal on Fox News for a while, and she wrote a book called The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity, in which she explores, you know, extreme versions of hate. She interviews mm. people that have been white supremacists. She uh, go. She talks about the Rwandan genocide and what how, how seemingly regular people can get to the point where they will murder their neighbor. You know, you think, oh. well, that doesn't, that won't happen here. That won't happen to us. But uh, it does. Sure. You know, things that seem like wow. that's, that's another country. I mean, these things happen very quickly and it doesn't take much to uh, change the way we see each other, whether we see them as human beings or not. So she wanted to like give a field guide to, how to behave and how to be more empathetic, how to engage people that disagree with you. Oh, interesting. Um, and, you know, how to be kind. You know what? As the stand-in, like, liberal on Fox News, this is exactly what you'd be required to do. Yes. I mean, she worked with Sean Hannity. She talks about him in the book. And she mm. worked with a lot of people that she couldn't have disagreed with more, right. but w- was able to see their humanity. And that changed how she mm. interacts, which I think we could all use a little bit of. Boy, oh boy. And, and maybe especially me. Speaking of, my mom just texted me. Oh. She got a flagpole for her Trump flag oh. and thinks she's going to put it in her front yard. Okay. Oh, Lord. A so, I mean, I mean, she said to my sister, I got the pole, but I can't figure out how. It's a gigantic flag yeah. that she has that says Trump on it. And my sister was like, Mom, like... People might get mad and kill you. <laughs> like you can't <laughs> Throw do through that. your window. Anyway, but this is a book about talking to people that disagree with you, whether you're on the Trump train or whether you're not, or whether you, you know, just disagree with your family at Thanksgiving. Who doesn't? The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity by Sally Cohn. Mm. Um, you can hear that in an interview now. I thank her for coming on the show. And, uh... We'll welcome her, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review, subscribe, all that jazz, and we'll say hi to Sally. Here we go. So, okay. Sally, welcome to the Brain Candy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, he, y'all, that tone is the tone of um, hilarity slash humiliation insofar as we were talking for like, what, 10 minutes, and then I was all wait, is this, are you like recording this? Are we already doing this? So then I was like, I don't know what I just said. Start over. So here well, we are again. The, Take the, two. <laughs> the audience is used to my casual interview style, which is best described as me just fawning all over the guest. So you Aww. just weren't used to that. That's oh, all. Well, I just need to recline and I am here for <laughs> this. I had um, said earlier. I, I, I am still really, really excited to be on with you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and congratulations on your book. <laughs> Thank you. See, now, now that I know, for example, here's an example. Just <laughs> for those who didn't get to hear take one, take two, it, I would say things like, Thank you. I'm so excited that my book, The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity, is now out and in bookstores. See, that kind of thing. Like, I I, I would say that. I had no idea. I mean, you are really buttoned up, and I just, I really blew it. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, what do you want to talk about? Okay. Let's talk about... Probably later I'll tell them about the amazing party you had, but I won't do it to you now. 
But <laughs> now that your book is out and like you worked yeah. so hard on it all, it took all this time and you sat with it for forever. And now we all are consuming it. And I just wonder how the heck that feels, if it's scary or what. So you're, you're, uh, you know, you're actually, we're actually having this conversation, uh, on the day that it comes out to today (gasps) for me. Yeah, I know. So I actually haven't yet had the experience of that many, like people I don't personally know reading it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, but the people, I mean, there've been like a few folks who like won early copies, you know, through we get the like galley giveaways and stuff. And the reactions have actually been great. I mean, mostly uh, people are, I think, taking the text, reading the text in the ways I'd hoped would happen. It's sparking the conversations and reflections. But even the challenging questions and conversations I've had, to me, that's all yeah. part of the point. Um, so I'm pretty I'm, – I'm, I'm really proud of the book. I'm really – excited for what I hope uh, the differences it can make in the world. Well, and from what I've seen on Twitter, the thing that keeps coming up is people are like, we need this right now. That's the sense that I'm getting from people, don't you think? Yeah, I I think that's right. Um, Though... uh, I mean, they they say that, which is really nice. I'm not sure they've read the book yet. (laughs) So hopefully they'll still think that after they've read it. I mean, What's the most interesting response I would say across the board is that um, it, it has a sort of a, I think people pick it up thinking they're going to read about somebody else's hate, you know, so I like, as yeah. part of my journey into trying to understand hate, why we do it, how we hate, I look at the neuroscience and the history and the psychology and biology of hate, but I also spent time with former neo-Nazis and ex-terrorists and people who participated in genocide. And um, and I think a lot of folks think, oh, okay, I'm going to pick up this book and I'm going to learn about them and those people who hate Yeah. and realize that the book is actually about all of us. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you come for their hate, you stay for your own. Like you're going <laughs> to, you're going to end up um, hopefully being provoked and challenged to think about your hate and your perspective in the world. Um, so I hope people after they read it still think it's an important book for this time, but you know, we're all so fixated on whichever side of whichever, whatever you're on, we're also fixated, fixated on them and their hate. Totally. Um, as the core problem of the era that, uh, hopefully this provokes us to reframe that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of it. I'm super sassy on Twitter um, not as sassy as the trolls that go after you, man, that is brutal. And you talk about that a lot in your book. And I was wondering, cause you called some of them, which is insane. <laughs> and you you, tried. it's very cathartic, right? Cause they were actual human beings, which is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect? I don't know. Cause they don't act like humans sometimes. And so just as maybe they don't think of you as a real person, it's hard to see them that way until you talk to them. Mm -hmm. Whenever you were on the horn with them though, did, when you were wrapping up the call, were you like, Hey, you should probably not troll people anymore. You know, I didn't even have to go there. Right. I mean, so first of all, a lot of folks apologized right out of the gate. Whoa. Which is interesting, but because, so there's this thing and it's twofold, right? It's it's the nature of technology, Twitter in particular. It's this anonymous 
platform, but also there's a way in which there's some uh, research that I look at in the book into why hate in particular seems to spread online and the ways in which we interact with technology are not only anonymous, but they're, it's, it's literally, it's in our head, mm. right? So we don't realize sometimes we're not as aware as we could be about the impact of the things we're like typing into our keyboard or with our thumbs, right? So there's studies, for instance, that when people are told to, you know, write messages on a computer, if they can see a video of the eyes of the person they're sending the message to, they send kinder messages. Can you believe that? So, Well, I can, right? Because it reminds you, oh, hey, this isn't all just happening in my head. <laughs> There's another human being on the other end who is not me who is going to receive this, and I should be thinking about how they're going to hear what I'm saying. So there's that piece of it. But the other piece that was interesting to me about my trolls is that a lot of them, they also didn't think, you know, they sort of figured that I wasn't reading their messages because mm. it was partly because I must have better things to do or something. Or But it was also this sort of, in a way, a sense that they didn't think their voice mattered. Who would pay attention to them? Who would pay attention to anything they said, nice or mean or otherwise? And and that was honestly a little heartbreaking, it, right? It's surprising to me too because sometimes it feels like people on the internet think, you know, their opinion counts, and so here here you go. Even if you didn't ask for it, I'm going to share with you my opinion. So that surprised me that they felt disenfranchised in that way. Yeah, I, I mean, me too. And here it is. Here's Twitter for me. Is that's what it is, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's a platform for. Uh, you know, expressing and my opinion and having my opinion be heard. And I realized that, you know, it, that the, in, in for so many others, this is an expression of their own invisibility, right? Their own mm -hmm. sense of voicelessness that, you know, they send a tweet out into the ether and no one retweets it. No one favorites yeah, it. No right. one does it even, you know, it fell in the woods. Did it even matter? Yeah, right. Yeah. And that that's an extension of this perception of voicelessness and powerlessness, um, which, again, it doesn't justify saying no. mean things yeah. at all. Um, but it, it, it really – that was really, to me, a real awake, you know, awakening moment. Um, yeah. In addition to the fact that I – to sort of get to know these people as folk, as actual people, and hear about their lives and not only their hobbies and their interests and all the things that make people people – but also their suffering, their pain. You know, one of my trolls who has a son who's in rehab and to realize that, you know, whatever anguish she's causing me is, is you know, it, again, it doesn't excuse it, but it's nothing compared to the pain she's experiencing in her life. And it just, it, it, it really put things in perspective. And yeah. afterwards, by the way, they were all nicer, which I knew was they would be. That's also, so cute. right? Well, because when you, it's hard to listen. It's hard to hate up close. Right. That is such a good way to put it. And your book does such a great job of all the different ways that that is true. And thank you. Well, and su we're super nerdy over here. So we're loving that you backed it all up with science, psychology, you know, history. I did that just for you. Just so Freaking you Freaking know. great, lady. Thank you. Thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Um, <laughs> one thing that surprised me, and I'm still not convinced, is when you talk about Sean Hannity, and you talked about it in your TED Talk as well, how he's a nice human being. We sometimes as liberals can think of him as the devil or whatever. And I don't know either. Do you think that he is playing a role on air that is not him then? Or what? Um, I think, well, ooh, that's complicated. I, I think that Sean, I will say this much, Sean Definitely. You would probably say this too, sort of amps it up yeah. for television. I don't think that, that, that doesn't mean he's being disingenuous, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, importantly, that, that's an important distinction. Um, also, I want to draw an important distinction here, which is by saying he's a nice person, I don't mean I think, you know, everything he does is nice in the world. Everything mm -hmm. he stands for is nice. Everything he stands for is good. Like, of course, not, but to me, right, walking into Fox News, who I was, I imagined <laughs> that, you know, this person I saw as a hate monger in the world would also be a hateful monster in person. Yeah. And, you know, and and so as naive in a way, I think, as it sounds, but then again, it's, it's not, I, I think, then again, it is a revelation for a lot of people on the left mm -hmm. to that he was not that. That he is a nice, caring guy who cares about me as a person, and we are indeed friends, and he cares about his kids, and he cares about my kid, and, you know, gives me career advice, and, like, we have our differences, just like, honestly, with every single person I know, I've got my similarities and my differences, the things we agree on, the things we don't agree on, and you, you make a choice as to what you're going to focus on, and, 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 I still will go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Sean on any political <laughs> issue, and I think that's important, as will he, right? But the key thing, and I think it, it's it's emblematic there, and it's it's the bigger takeaway, I think, for my book, which is no one wakes up in the morning, pretty much. No one wakes up in the morning intending to be a mean person. Mm -hmm. No one thinks that they're hateful, by and large. Yeah. Right? My trolls didn't think they were hateful. They thought I was the hateful one. And that their react that what they were doing was just a legitimate, justified reaction to me. Why do they think and, you were and, hateful? And that's though? important to well, because you know they think I'm saying uh, you know I mean some let's be honest, some of it is unfounded, right? <laughs> uh, it's about you know sort of how things I say or do are warped through our perceptions around partisanship that yeah. I you know fake news or that I'm attacking conservatives, which. I'm not, right? So, you know, some of it's skewed, but some of it is also they think I'm rude and dismissive and condescending when I roll my eyes okay. at people right. on television. Okay. So, and, you know, and that's that's a legitimate critique. Um, so, uh, you know, the point being, though, like even when you actually look at current research around current Nazis and current terrorists, they don't think they're hateful. They think they're just responding, reacting to hate from groups of others. So yeah. people act 
actually do want to be good. And the question is, do we give them, A, the benefit of the doubt, B, opportunities to be good, mm. opportunities to be their best selves? Right. This is, this sounds hard. <laughs> <laughs> tired oh, over know. here that sounds difficult but it's but I you don't know is kindness no. do you think do you think hating is easier than kindness um no but i think some of it is driven by intellectual laziness you know mm. where it's just easier to believe this simple concept rather than understanding nuance and hmm. you know complex motivations in humanity <laughs> Yeah, you know, though, here's the thing, right? Like, yes, the neuroscience is complicated and, you know, the history of, you know, how we got to this point in, in terms of racial bias and misogyny and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, mm -hmm. that's all complicated. And the distinctions between explicit and implicit or unconscious hate, that's all complicated, too. At the end of the day, being kind is really simple. Mm. I, by the way, also find it just more pleasant. Like, so selfishly, it's yeah. to me just, it feels better to be kind. Yeah. I feel better about myself as a human being. But also, it's what we all learned, like, way back in kindergarten. <laughs> right. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's, we want, look, we want others to assume the best in us. Right? So if I say something, I misspeak, I, you know use one word for something and I, if someone wishes I'd use the other one. I yeah. want people to assume I didn't mean to offend anyone or be hateful. Right. Right. I want people to assume that I am not the worst thing I've ever done in my life mm -hmm. or the worst thing I've ever said in my life. I want people to, when I make a mistake, forgive me. Right. I mean, this is, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's literally what I want others to do for me. And Treat me like I am a, you know, a human being worthy of equality and dignity. And, yeah, in the same way they are. Right. Right. And the, ah, but there you go. That's the thing is, right, in the same way. So yeah. then, then, then it becomes a sort of, okay, so if I want that from others, am I willing to give it to them? Right. You know, another and problem. And all of the thems. Right. <laughs> right. No exceptions. The trouble sometimes with kindness, especially on Twitter uh, is it's not great for punchlines and hilarity, <laughs> which really cramps my style, Sally. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I'm I'll so work sorry. on it. I'll work on it. I'm so sorry. Listen, I personally, I feel like uh, a good self-deprecating joke <laughs> is a All really right. nice in-between. It That's levels true. the playing ground a little. That's good. Right? Yeah. Um, you're not, you know, you know, my, my mother-in-law. A wise, wise woman <laughs> says that uh, sarcasm is kidding down, right? You don't oh. want to, right? And there's, you know, like, and here's the thing. This is about, it comes to Twitter too, right? Yeah. Um, first of all, one of the, my favorite parts of the book is I look at all of these examples, unbelievable examples on social media of people being transformed in profound ways. I'm talking leaving hate movements yeah. because of others being kind to them on social media. 
True. Just what a difference that can make. So there's there's that piece of it. Yeah. Um, but also, I completely forgot the other point I was going to make. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> It'll come back you to you. Running okay. on a little bit of sleep. You know, what? Uh, wait, your first can... point was so inspiring. Oh, it doesn't even matter. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I'm sure the second one <laughs> was going to be it's the life changing one for <laughs> everyone. Um, would I, it... On any other podcast, by the way, just so you know, yeah. I feel like I would have bluffed my way through that. But I feel like I can be honest with you. That's awesome. I forgot my second point. Yeah. Who cares? Thank Whatever. you. Let's move on. Thank you. Right, I I assume when you began the book, you had a basic understanding of who you were and your intention with writing it. But then you spoke with all these people that, as you mentioned, a former uh, Klansman, um, people in the Middle East. You you talked with people that have been through some stuff and your trolls, etc. And so I'm wondering, as you finished, how if and how you felt changed at all. You know, or not, I think, no, I, oh gosh, definitely. Okay. I think going into it, I didn't think I had, I, I, I knew I had a, a sort of, uh, you know, I had my own blind spots, right? For sure. I was aware of that, but I, walking away from this process and recognizing how much I have in common with even the extremes of hate, you know, there's a way in which, and, and I, and in the book, I'm really clear. I don't think, you know, bullying and genocide are the same thing, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But they do exist along a spectrum of hate. Just like, I don't think being a, you know, overt, explicit misogynist, you know, jerk and having unconscious, sexism are the same thing either but they're related mm-hmm. they they stem from they grow from hate in society and in our minds so you know it, 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 once i once you really wrestle with that then you go and you say okay so i i think of myself as sort of at this end of the spectrum and kind of you know i'm 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 uh we like to think of ourselves just like we like to think that the long the arc of history is long but bends toward justice we also like to think that you know, we're sort of on this perpetual project of perfection and just, I'm just, I'm almost there. Right. Yeah. And then you go somewhere like Rwanda, Mm. which not that long ago in human history was the site of the fastest genocide in ever 800,000 people slaughtered in a hundred days. And you realize that the people who did that, who were not a handful of people in the country, but masses of people, mm. didn't think they were capable of that either. Right. And that there's no difference between them and me. You go and talk to a former white supremacist, the, one of the top white power recruiters in the country, lead singer of the biggest white power band at, at the time in his heyday. And you ask his life story and about his childhood. And, and I'm looking and looking desperate to find something that is going to make him not me. Yeah. Or make him not my kid. And you realize it's not there. That I could have 
been him, right? Because I grew up in the United States of America too, where racism and racial bias are an endemic part of our history and culture that we have yet to fully address. And it, it, there's something, I mean, let me be honest, like that's a, that's a real rude awakening to have those kinds of realizations. Yeah. Well, and you, in the book you po- point out, you know, you'll say to somebody, well, statistically speaking, I would have been one of the oppressors in this um, incident or whatever. And I feel like you're doing the work where you're saying, you know, you're aware of your humanness, but then often the people that you're talking to are not in agreement about that for themselves. That was frustrating. Like with Scotty Nell. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that you're having that dialogue, but uh, it feels like you're chasing the wind there. Well, I mean, let's be honest. My reason for telling that conversation, I mean, look, first and foremost, (laughs) I wrote a selfish book. Come on. No, but I mean, I really, I was experiencing the hate in myself, both the partisan sort of hate towards conservatives in general, and then in particular Trump supporters and myself, and I didn't like that side of myself. And also wrestling as, as, as part of the book with the realizations of my own history of hate, including having been a bully as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to understand the phenomenon of hate because I wanted to understand it better in myself and figure out what I could do. I secondarily, <laughs> right? So this, this is, this, that's, that's the journey that I wrote about. And I hope uh, that others are inspired to find their own path to walk along in this regard. And, and if they want to make this, this sort of, you know, out self-exploration journey, but the reason I tell the stories in the book are hopefully for what others can learn and take away from them. Um, you know, that they can help hopefully have some of the revelations I have, including the fact that for instance, and this is where, you know, I think this, there's a, there is a certain left right divide on this, which is captured by my conversations with Scotty Nell Hughes, who's a, a Trump supporter and a colleague of mine at CNN that I don't look, I don't feel guilt ridden or ashamed or I, I don't feel burdened by acknowledging the reality Mm -hmm. of unconscious racial bias in this country. She does. She feels like, like a lot of people on the right do, that pointing out unconscious or talking about unconscious racial bias is a, uh, a a newfangled way for the left to attack and demean the right. Mm-hmm. So, and and to my mind, I feel like what is frustrating about this is I wish we could get past this debate as a country and get to the point where we see the ways in which, for instance. Uh, persistent racial bias is infecting our education policies and outcomes and criminal justice system and, uh, you know, the the communities we live in and every aspect of public policy and culture and life. And and instead, we're still arguing about whether it's even a fact. Yeah. That is, of course, frustrating. But hopefully people will read this, hear this, 
and and be able to you know move them i i i guess hope get their own engagement and awareness and wrestle with this themselves this is ultimately you know that's ultimately the best i can do i really do think people are going to respond in that way and i know we have listeners from you know all different backgrounds and i look forward to hearing their different points of view about the book too because i know how i feel but i am also on your side politically so you know, I want to hear about what conservatives think about the concepts yeah. as well. But you provide really easy, realistic ways that people can start to think about empathy and kindness based on, you know, how the brain works, how human behavior tends to be. So I think it's very manageable, and I'm so inspired by you and your work. Oh, thank you. That means so much coming from you. Thank you so much. We ask everybody one last thing, which is... Hard-hitting journalism. What do you keep in the trunk of your car if you have a car? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I love that you ask everyone that. It is such a not New York City question. I know. Everyone from New York's like, I, I have a backpack. I have a car. Uh, it's a hand-me-down from my parents. So it's absurdly big for trying to park <laughs> in New York. Oh, my God. Um, and in the trunk of my car, I what's mean, there's going like, on back there. there's, yeah, what's, what is going on back there? I'm trying to think here. Uh, there's basically uh, three things always in the trunk of my car. Uh, one is kid crap. So, <laughs> you know, like coloring books yep. and, yep. you know, toys and whatever it is my daughter has put, you know, there's like a bin <laughs> that we try to contain it in. Yeah. Kid crap, category one. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, I wish I could give you like a, I should have like made up an answer, but this is actually (laughs) the truth. Category two is I've got like, uh, beach chairs. Okay. Where are you going with those? Ready to go to the beach. I don't know, but yeah, well, actually I do know why they're in the car because they're sandy. So they stay in the car. Right. (laughs) Right. So they stay there. Uh, and then third is I've got these like, uh, you know, collapsible bins that, uh, so if at any point anywhere, I happen on a farmer's market. Oh my I'm God. ready. Like at a, at a wow. moment's notice, I can <laughs> open up the bin and get all the produce. And get produce. Yes. Because, well, you know, this is like these little joys when you live in a city. I just, yeah. I, I love a good farmer's market oh when I happen what upon one. What do you buy one. when you go there? Do you get produce oh, or do you get like the, jams or something? Well, it depends on where I am, right? If I'm going to be somewhere I can cook soon, yes, we'll get all the produce. Yeah. My partner's really the chef, so she'll get all the produce. And yes, I will get every local product known (laughs) to woman and man. So if you make in your town, if you make a jam, you make a shea butter, you know, a candle, a jam scented candle, whatever, (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm super into like We'll be there for it with my collapsible bits. Yeah. (laughs) And you might even get the beach chair out, get the bread and honey (laughs) or jam. Who knows? It could be a whole day with the trunk products. Could be. Wow. I hadn't hadn't put them together. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, you're off the hook. And um, (laughs) our two interviews were amazing. Thank you. That was fantastic. Thank you so much. Take good care. Appreciate it. Bye bye. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.